Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Jesus, this morning we thank you for this gift of gathering together as your church, of intentionally taking this Sabbath rest, which is to rest ourselves in you, Jesus. And we declare this to our souls and to one another. We are formed in these truths that, God, we are running into your arms that the riches of your love will always be enough. This morning, God, we make confession before you as we make thanksgiving that, God, you are good even when there is nothing good in us. And, Lord Jesus, before you, we confess our sins, Lord God, those sins that we may have committed, those sins that we have omitted to do your righteousness, to follow in your ways. God, in our confession, we confess also that you are good. You are eternally so. Lord Jesus, your word teaches us that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, God, whether we find ourselves in a place of sin, we throw ourselves on your mercy. Whether we find ourselves in a place of pain or of lack, we throw ourselves upon your mercy. Whether we find ourselves in a place of opportunity or, or, or difficulty in decision, we throw ourselves on your mercy. If we find ourselves in a place of blessing, God, again, we throw ourselves on your mercy that we might administer the blessings of your grace appropriately in this world. In all things, we say we need you. And God, we are so glad to be yours to receive you in our salvation, to receive you again in this gathering, Lord God, to receive you by the means of your spirit among us in our worship, to receive you by the speaking of your word over our lives, to receive you, God, as we pray to you, Lord Jesus, acknowledging that we are yours and we will never stop needing you, nor will you ever stop giving yourself freely to us, for you are good. So we run into your arms. This morning, church, can we do a little bit of work of running into the arms of God? Do we acknowledge here this morning that we need to run into the arms of God? Do we acknowledge that we need him? 
Just this week in our Moravian pattern of reading the word of God, we were in Hebrews chapter 4. And this is how Christ Jesus is presented to us in the scriptures. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Saints, do you need the grace and the mercy of Jesus today? I believe that we all do. Some of us, we will be acknowledging that in, in a huge or a significant way. Some of us, it is in the ordinary means of grace for the everyday. But church, can I invite each and every one of us, please, would we lift our hands and lift our hearts before the Lord. And let us approach with confidence, not because we are good, and not because we have all the answers, yet because He is good and He has made us good by His work within us. Lift our hands to the Lord in an acknowledgement of our submission and our surrender, of our need of Him as children dearly beloved by the Father, the Father who has sent His Son, that we might receive mercy and grace. And if you feel that you are capable today, lift your voice and say, Jesus, I approach you again with confidence. I approach the throne of the Father with confidence because of you that your grace is sufficient for me. It is sufficient for my need. It is sufficient for my loved ones. It is sufficient for my family. It is sufficient for all that I face. Your mercies, God, they are new every morning. They are new this morning of grace, but they will be new as I enter into all the mornings of the week ahead. Call upon the Lord, church. Call upon Him. Approach his throne with confidence, for he is good, and his love endures for you forever, at all times, in all places. God, we praise you. God, we praise you. God, we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Karamaramba sitiera makomasia nadakia. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We praise Jesus, don't we? For he is good church, let me tell you just earlier in that chapter, it says this to us. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Earlier it says, again, he has appointed a certain day for that day of rest. And that day, the scriptures teach us, is today. And what the scripture is teaching us is today is the day of salvation. For Jesus has come. And today is the day of our resting in Jesus, for he has come. Would anyone like to declare hallelujah? Jesus has come. Would anyone like to praise God, for he has come. 
Or would anybody like to shout, Jesus is good. Hallelujah, he is good. We praise Jesus. Can I invite you to take your seats just for a moment or two? In a moment or two, we are going to come and we're going to sing his praises again before we come around the scriptures. But I want to invite you um, to journey further in prayer, if I may. Does anybody know that it's good to come to him? And we feel it most keenly, don't we, when we are those who come to him who are weary and heavy laden. Anybody ever feel weary and heavy laden? You don't need to put your hands up. It's, if you're weary and heavy laden, if the pastor puts his hand up, it's like, oh, for goodness sakes, I'm weary and heavy laden, Pastor Greg. Can't put my hand up. What a nonsense. You don't have to put your hand up. But we are weary and heavy laden, aren't we? We come to him and he gives us, does anybody know? He gives us rest. He gives us rest. And another way of putting that is that Jesus gives us himself. Himself. That's why it's so precious for us to uh, take seriously to, to Sabbath together um, and to be rested in Him. We need that. Uh, we as Christians, we work from rest. We don't work until we're exhausted and then rest from work. That's upside down and back to front. We work from rest. Sunday is the first day of the week. Sabbathing is the primary thing that we need to do as people of God. And if we don't do it, none of our work will make sense or have its fruit in Him. But if we get it right, then everything else falls into place. Yeah, it's a good place to say amen. amen. All right. Prayer. Um, what I'm going to actually say is, um, at the conclusion of our gathering, we're going to share in communion. And we're going to do so in the pattern we've established recently, which is to come and receive the individual cups. But don't be fooled. Just because you get an individual cup doesn't mean that this is an individual act. It is an act of community. It's being formed as family. So we're going to share them together. But as we do so, if you know that perhaps the work that we've just started in resting in the grace and mercy of Jesus is a work that you need to continue and you'd like to receive prayer, I'm going to ask if the elders of the church would be available at the front of the church. And I know perhaps we're a little cautious about the ways that we're having contact with one another, but we'll mask up. And if you would like to receive a particular prayer this morning, then we'll offer that as we come around communion. So hopefully the elders have heard that. Excellent. And they'll make themselves available, apart from maybe you. I don't know. Just fire prayers at people. Okay, excellent. But some other aspects of prayer. As we're coming into the autumn time, um, and we draw to the end of the month of September, we're wanting to highlight some very special and particular ways that we're inviting um, us as a church to engage with prayer together. Because we believe that prayer... Um, it, it, is, it is wonderful in the way that we get to offer our lives to God over and over and over, every part, so that he might be Lord of every part. We get to offer him our needs and, and our hopes and our dreams and everything. And it is an incredibly precious relational thing that we share with God as dearly beloved children. But prayer is also power, isn't it? Uh, prayer is presence, but it's also power. Prayer also is prophetic in that we get to speak and to see and to step into and work the things of God's kingdom in the world. And so we want to be people who pray both to abide in God and then to go in his abundance into the world. We want to be people who pray so that we might know him ministering to us, but then we get to go in his mission in the world. Two things, okay? Two things, okay? Um, one thing, on the 25th of this month, 
Neighborhood Prayer Network are inviting everybody um, who engages with them to take part in a mile with Jesus. There is a, a picture there. Is it Siobhan? I can only see the very top of somebody's head. I think it is. But there is a picture there. There you go. Uh, we'll get this out to you. I've just messaged via the church prayer line, the Neighborhood Prayer Network website. If you've got your phone with you, could you pull out your phone? Could you pull out your phone? I'm going to say it again until some of you move. Could you pull out your phone? You're like, Pastor Greg, are we supposed to get phones out? Just Yes, you are. Um, tap on that link if you've got it. If you've not, just Google Neighborhood Prayer and it'll come up. Now, you will know that as a church, um, in the springtime, we encouraged everybody who is a part of our church to sign up with the Neighborhood Prayer Network. And what you're doing is you're adopting your street in prayer. That's rather good news, isn't it? You get to adopt your street in prayer. And when you do so, a little dot will appear on your street on a map. And I was blessed when we did this in the spring. I look at the map because I like that kind of thing. And I saw little dots pop up. And I was like, oh, I know who lives on that street. I bet it was so-and-so. You can't do anything without your pastor knowing about it, can you? It's terrible. Uh, but I saw it and I was encouraged. And, and I want to see our entire Wirral covered with dots on the map. Uh, because that means that our entire Wirral is getting covered with prayer. And is that a good thing? Okay, some of you aren't convinced. Is it a good thing, Christians? Now, here's the model. The invitation is you pray daily. Pray daily. Simply just pray for the people who live around you, the people you know, the names that you know, the people that you don't. Pray for that absolute stinker at number 24. Uh, no, you don't have anyone like that on your street, do you? But pray for them. Uh, pray for the people who, who you know, who you don't know. Pray for the needs you know. Pray that God would give you insight, words of wisdom, opportunities to love the people on your street well. Pray daily. Care weekly. Just find a simple way to offer some level of care for someone on your street once a week. It could be putting the bins out or taking the bins in. They're lighter on the way in, aren't they? It's a bit easier. Um, it could be something like that. It could be baking somebody something. It could be knocking on the door of that person, that elderly person. You're not seeing them in a while and you're just wondering how they're doing. Care weekly and then share monthly. Find some way as you're building relationship with the people on your street to share something of the love of Jesus once a month. Okay? That's simple, isn't it? Sign up. Follow this model. Pray daily. Can everyone say pray daily? Care weekly. Can everyone say that? Care weekly. Share monthly. Can everyone say that? Share monthly. Now at the back of the church, there's a little table at the back there, there's a little table at the back there. We've got these prayer cards from Neighborhood Prayer. And as you're getting to know the people that you're praying for, you can write their names in as a prompt for your prayers. There's space for neighbors. There's also space for family and friends on the other side. And the invitation is write down the names of the people that you know and you're getting to know that you're praying for in this consistent and systematic pattern. Because does anybody know that when you pray for people, and particularly when you pray for people over a long period of time, surprise, surprise, God starts to do things. Does anybody know that? And, 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 and you might not see anything happen over, over a week or a month. But then you'll be absolutely surprised how much God does over six months or a year 
or even six years if you're living in the same neighborhood for that length of time or longer, you will be surprised what God will do. Now, that there is on the 25th of September. As part of this pattern, there's an invitation to walk a mile with Jesus. And for your street, and and, and I was chatting with another church leader the other day, and they said that they'd signed up, but they live on Borough Road. You know Borough Road? And they said they live at number 700 and something. He's not quite sure how to pray for the whole street. Um, it's a pretty long street. If you, does anyone live on Woodchurch Road? We've got a few people, don't we? Um, that, that's a long street. Um, you can easily walk a few miles with Jesus. But the invitation is, wherever you live, just around your local little bit, walk a mile and just pray. And just pray for those streets and those families and those neighbors and, and everything that's going on in, in your area. Okay, so that's on the 25th, Okay. And then just immediately after that, and it's the other picture, Elim, our national denomination of churches, are inviting us all to engage with prayer. Have we got that other picture? And it's from the 28th to the 30th. And again, we're going to be shooting out all of the information, so don't worry if you don't catch it this morning. We're going to be shooting out all the information uh, via our church prayer line. If you've not signed up for that, I do not know where you have been for the last five years. Um, If you are not receiving those messages, I don't know how you are managing to be a part of this church. Um, Make sure you are signed up. If you don't know what that means, speak to one of the elders, speak to your transformed community leader. It's super simple. Get the messaging. 28th to the 30th, three days of prayer and fasting. There's going to be loads of fantastic ways of being led in prayer online and other ways. We're going to be letting you know more about that as the day approaches. But at the end of this month, We want to be praying. We want to be praying. We want to be praying in our neighborhoods and our streets. We want to be praying in our church. We want to be praying for one another. We want to be praying for everybody we know. And we want to be believing that God will do amazing things as we move into what God has for us next. As the people of God had come out of Exodus and God had done everything he needed to do amongst them and they were about to enter the land of promise, God said to Joshua to speak to the people consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you and it doesn't come any other way it doesn't come any other way sometimes we're saying God why don't you do this or why don't you do that or why don't you do the other and God says have you not read why don't you do this (laughs) pray fast consecrate yourself set yourself apart that's what we're going to be doing at the end of the month we'll let you know more as it approaches but it is coming soon now I have Um, Just, I think, one more thing to share, uh, which is a bit of a joy in our church life. Just yesterday, we had the the joy of marrying uh, Vicky and Justin, and some some of you were there, and you partied the night away, Uh, but you still come this morning. You are the hardcore ones. Don't tell the others. You're you're my favorites. Um, All the others who are sleeping, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll let Abel and Grace have a free pass, maybe, and Debbie, the others, but... It was wonderful. Um, And we are incredibly blessed to be able to celebrate in joining people together in in marriage. And um, and this coming Saturday, we have the opportunity to celebrate and bless uh, a marriage. And Amaka, you're here with us. Shayan's not here today. He's at work. Okay, this is the way it goes, isn't it? But we we want to pray for for Amaka and Shayan. They were married... Um, overseas, um, back in Nigeria, um, but they have come back to be a part of our church family, 
and we want to invite God's blessing upon them as we celebrate in the church this coming um, Saturday at 12 p.m. That's correct, isn't it? And am I right? And the party is at 2 afterwards, just next door in the minor hall. Super. Today is a special day. Is it today? This is your birthday. 21 again. Um, We want to ask a blessing upon you, and um, although Cheyenne can't be with you, you have two incredibly fine young men with you. Um, I always want to say you're boys. You're not remotely boys anymore. You're just, you know, men fully and completely. Um, I I get to look up to you now, and I hope by God's grace I will look up to you in every way. Um, But would you stand uh, stand as a a family? Would you mind? And church, would you reach out your hands to them? Um, the rest of the, f- of, of the family, the other, the other guy, the other lads, um, Shayan, of course, who is at work, we want to ask God's blessing upon them. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for both Amaka and Shayan. Amaka, who we, we know well, many of us, Shayan, who we're getting to know. Um, and Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that, that, God, you have brought them to us here. Uh, and Lord Jesus Christ, we count it a privilege to be able to love one another. We count it a privilege to be able to submit to one another out of reverence for you, Christ. And Lord Jesus, in our prayers now, in our investment into this family, Lord Jesus, in our commitment, Lord God, both to celebrate with them this coming Saturday, but also to invest in them as a family, Lord God, and to keep them before you in our prayers. Lord Jesus, we are revering you. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the work that you have been doing in them, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, we thank you that you are not finished yet. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to ask that they as a family, even as they approach this day of celebration, they would consecrate themselves before you and to you, that God, you would do wonders among them. Lord Jesus Christ, bless their special day, Lord God. Help them, Lord Jesus, with all their preparations, Lord God, and make this be a day of wonder and a day of grace. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask your blessing upon them. We ask your blessing upon Shayan as he's working today. Lord Jesus Christ, would you be with them all? In your holy and righteous name we pray. Amen. Amen. So do please keep them in your prayers. Come and celebrate with them. Um, 12 o'clock on Saturday and then following in the minor hall. And uh, you're more than welcome to come and celebrate and invite God's grace upon them. More than welcome to just relax and take a seat. I think our children have gone out for their program. Yes, they have. Super. Just to say, if you've got little ones with you, our our downstairs room is available, but it's not great. It's still a little bit smelly from the flooding that we had. Um, So what we would recommend rather is that you use what used to be the creche. Um, which is just down those stairs there. You can go underneath if you'd rather not go out that way. Um, and you can hear everything in that little room. So um, that's available if you've got little ones. Downstairs is okay, but it's not great. So we can't really recommend that for kids right now. Um, let's um, dive into what we're going to talk about. And as a church, um, since uh, last, not last week, that was Scattered Sunday, the week before, um, Scattered Sunday was good. And it was so nice to be able to gather again in the evening for our celebration. 
It's our pattern as a church that every second Sunday of the month, we don't meet here in the morning. We're in our transformed communities, our mid-sized groups, extended families of missionary servants. We're out sharing the love of Jesus with one another and with those around us. And then we were here in the evening, fantastic. The week before, we began um, a new series entitled Remember When. Remember When. And it's not remember when you could go to the supermarket without fumbling for a mask and applying, you know, hand sanity 15 times. Or remember when you could get a little bit of winter sun without wondering about red lists and PCR tests. Or remember, it's not remember when any of that. Because those things, as we've discovered, are, you know, they're somewhat changeable. The things of life are transient. We're perhaps less in control than we thought we were. Or rather, we've realized that we're not in control even though we thought we were. Actually, what we're seeking to remember is the rather more substantial things of who we are, of who God is. And so when we first started out into this series, we were remembering when God. And we remembered those uh, keystone moments, those, those defining instances in Scripture, the things of, of Exodus, how God brings people out of slavery. Not just once, but, but always. This is what God loves to do. And, and if you find yourself in slavery to circumstance, finding yourself particularly in slavery to sin, Jesus wants to set you free. That's really good news. I think three others of, a, of, of us here have been set free from slavery to sin. Because we seem excited about it. Uh, God sets people free. It's what he does. Exodus. But also we looked at Passover. How God doesn't bring judgment upon us. Not because we're particularly special or particularly good, but because God delights to cover his own. Amen. That's good news, isn't it? God delights to cover his own so that judgment and indeed death would not come upon his own people. And then we move forward, fast forwarding all the way through to the Last Supper and how these themes come together in that precious uh, remembrance of bread broken to signify the body of Christ broken for you and for me that we might be made whole, of a cup shared to signify the blood of Jesus Christ, his life spilt so that you and I might have everlasting and full life. That's what we're going to celebrate at the end of our gathering. We were remembering when God, those big moments, but all the other moments in between when God has been God, and that is good. Is anyone here glad that God is God? Is anyone here glad that God is God and we don't have to bother with any of that? Uh, too many of us, we're trying to be God too much of the time. You know, it's a kind of a defining message of the culture that we live in is that we're somehow supposed to be God of our own circumstance. You're not big enough. I was going to say you're not big or ugly enough. I don't know. Maybe some of us are. Uh, no, no. Uh, but we're not big enough. We're not tough enough. We're not strong enough. We're not good enough. But God is all of those things. Amen. So it's good to remember when God. Today, remember when Jesus. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Is it music in anyone's ears this morning? Yeah. Oh, come on. Can we have that one after? I can't do that to you. Um, can we talk for a moment about lockdown beards? Can we talk about that? I, I, yeah, I did just say that. Can we talk about lockdown beards for a moment? I was going to highlight a few lockdown beards in the, in the church this morning. Lockdown beards. Have you heard of a thing called the Ig Nobel Awards? You've heard of the Nobel Prize, haven't you? The Nobel Prize is for all this, that, and the other. There's a thing called the Ig Nobel Prize. 
And, and, and it's kind of funny. It's an award for people who are advancing in fields of science that you're not entirely sure they should be advancing in. Um, they're kind of silly, kind of quirky things that people get up to and somehow manage to get funding for. I don't know. Um, but they have these kind of strange and interesting applications. Now, one thing I came across, an Ig Nobel Award prize was given to a research science team that were researching the reason why men want to grow beards. And, and it's not just laziness. Who knew? Um, and apparently, um, there, is, there is solid reason for thinking that the growing of beards is actually a part of a man's defense mechanism so that he can go into battle with greater confidence. Can I get a huh from the... No, um, no. <laughs> Not really. All you gentlemen are like, I'm sorry, Greg, we're British. We don't do that. Um, but uh, not everyone here is British, so you can give me a little quiet. Um, but uh, apparently, they did this research, and they, 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 they got hair matted together in the form of a beard. And they discovered that actually it does absorb energy and blows. And they, they kind of thought that maybe, just maybe, men grow beards so that if they ever were getting into battle, you know, when they're out on the plains hunting down the family's dinner or in Tesco hunting, I don't know, um, that that's if a blow were to come upon the gentleman, his you know, exuberant kind of hair would be a defense. Is anybody feeling this? You know, you're wondering why they got funding for this study, weren't you? Um, but uh, apparently it's a thing. And it turns out I was way ahead of the game because I had beards for years before lockdown. And then lockdown came and all you gentlemen got your beards. And my little girl said, Daddy, what does your chin look like? And I had to shave it off, and we discovered that I have at least two chins, and it's not a happy realization. No, don't give me all that R. All of you guys, you've all got two chins, but you're hiding them. Come on. Some of you guys, when, they, when the masks go away, you're all still going, I'm just going to wear a mask a little longer. Uh, just just kind of keep it in, a little bit of chin aerobics necessary, I don't know. Sometimes... We do things on the outside to give the appearance of something happening on the inside. You know, uh, so, uh, not for any of you gentlemen here, I'm sure of it, but I have a suspicion that some gentlemen grow beards because they perhaps feel a little bit of a lacking in their kind of what it means to be a man. And a beard is almost like a, a searching for what that might mean. Maybe the longer the beard, the more the searching. I don't know. None of you. I think very often we have behaviors and appearances on the outside because in truth we know there ought to be a little bit more on the inside. I was listening to a, a Tim Keller sermon just recently, and can I recommend that you listen to Tim Keller sermons um, as often as you can? Um, no? <laughs> Pastor Gray, we can just about manage your sermons. Don't tell us, oh, it was so good. And he introduced me to um, a work by Jonathan Edwards, the famous American pastor and theologian. And he wrote, apparently, a dissertation entitled The Nature of True Virtue. Come on, poke someone near you. They've fallen asleep already. Uh, would you poke them? And you're like, oh, Pastor Greg, would you please just get, talk about beards again? No, no, no. The Nature of True Virtue. What's going on with all this? Well, 
apparently Jonathan Edwards, he made the distinction between what he called common virtue on the one hand and true virtue on the other. He said that common virtue produces people who are honest and generous and civil. All sounds perfectly fine, doesn't it? Whereas, uh, sorry, and these things are what we might call a moral reformation. They affect the way people behave, the, the outward stuff. Yet the deepest habits of the heart are only merely restrained by common virtue, not really attended to. They're just restrained. It's kind of, you know, when I've complained oftentimes that you're far too polite. This is why I complain about politeness, because politeness doesn't really mean anything. Just, it's a restraint. Whereas, with true virtue, the deepest habits of the heart are changed not restrained. It's a true spiritual transformation, not a moral reformation, which is fine as far as it goes. It's a true spiritual transformation. Common virtue actually can take the worst of our human hearts, things like fear or pride, and it uses them as the fuel to generate generosity or civility because we're, we're concerned about what other people might think of us or what might happen if we don't you know, follow the pattern, or, or we're proud, and we want people to think what's right of us, and, and actually these corrosive things still fester and actually grow in our hearts. But with true virtue, fear and pride are dealt with, and they're actually removed. As Tim Keller puts it, common virtue looks at the rules, true virtue looks at the ruler. Moral reformation bends and forces the heart. Spiritual transformation melts and shapes the heart. If I were to ask you, do you want your heart to be bent and forced? <laughs> it's pretty obvious that that doesn't sound so good, does it? But oftentimes, maybe because it's quicker, or maybe because it seems easier, although it isn't, that's the way we go. But if I were to ask you, does anybody want your heart to be melted and shaped by the Savior who loves you, the Father who made you, and the one who wants to receive you to himself, made perfect and glad in him? Oh, I want that. I want that. Over this current series in the Word of God, we're asked to take time and make space to remember the person, the work, the wonders of our God, to remember who He is and what He has done in our lives, in our church, even through this troubling and difficult season we've been enduring. We do this because remembering forms and shapes us. To remember Jesus melts your heart. It forms you in His way enables you to be shaped in a Christ-like fashion, not just to have the appearance on the outside of godliness, but somehow denying its power. No, it helps you to actually enter into this process of being made more and more like Jesus until we see him as he is, until that day when we're going to be like him because we see him, and he's going to give us all of the fullness of the life which he has promised to us. This is why we remember to be melted, to be shaped. We are far more interested as a church in spiritual transformation than simply getting one another to conform to certain behaviors or follow certain patterns. I don't want to pastor a polite church. See, you're far too polite to even respond. 
Well, you should at least throw something at me or something. Are you alive? I don't want to pastor a polite church. I pray to God regularly that our church would be more chaotic, but you seem to be resisting the work of the Spirit. I pray. Our church would not be made up so much of neat and tidy Christians who've learned the way that you're supposed to look like a Christian. I could care less. Can I speak for God? He could care less. Spiritual transformation. Melted hearts. It's a good thing to be in a puddle. Stop trying to... Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of the rebellion. Melt. Melt. You remember because it shapes you. And too much of our lives are being shaped by the day-to-day, shaped by the culture that we're in, shaped by these false understandings. You know, we've had to accommodate to, 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 to stop suffering and to stop death. And that's appropriate in a natural sense. It's appropriate in a community sense. But somehow that's infected us spiritually, and we think that we ought to avoid suffering and death spiritually. It's not true. And so today we come and we remember Jesus whose entire life and ministry, his own death and resurrection, was shaped by suffering. It was formed and it looked like a cross. We remember Jesus because we need to be formed in a better way. We move through life, and sometimes we move so fast through life that we don't really know what's going on. My considerable concern is that somehow for me or for any of us, we might move so swiftly through life, kind of accomplishing things, accumulating things, doing whatever we think is important, and we'll come to the conclusion of our life, and our lives will look no more like Jesus than the day we first met him. What a waste. What a tragedy. I understand sometimes in life it can seem full, it can seem absolutely packed. You know, I think about yesterday's wedding day, and it was so busy, and there was so much happening, and and, uh, and, you know, if you remember back, for those of you who've perhaps been married or for some other significant day in your experience, and, and things just move along, and it's a blur, isn't it? And you just, what just happened? And then there's someone who gives you a certificate, and it says, you got married. Oh, was that what it was? <laughs> then you look back, or you reflect, or you consider, or you, you know, watch it back on YouTube. This is how we do it now, I think, isn't it? I'm like, oh, Yes. You need to remember. Today is a gift of remembering. I don't know what you had planned to do when you go from this place, but could you please cancel it and go to wherever you need to go to and remember Jesus. Everything else is going to shape you some other way. Only Jesus can shape you like Jesus. The Gospels, they're full of uh, remembering, of reflecting upon significance. Um, Jesus' ministry is defined by moments. And, and, and the very fact that we have these four Gospels, they thought it was so important to remember these moments. They wrote it down four times in slightly different ways for slightly different audiences. So it might get this full tapestry and wondrous picture of remembering Jesus. And it's stuffed with moments that make us think, oh, that's who Jesus is. That's how it's supposed to be. 
And there's loads of these instant life-transforming moments of encounter, aren't they? And, and we read the Gospels, and then we see how the people who had those moments then reflect upon them. You read the rest of the New Testament, and you see how people like Peter and James and John and, and Paul with his own profound encounter with Jesus, how everything then was shaped as they reflected upon that. Every single time Paul writes, he says, have I told you about that time I met Jesus? <laughs> Can you imagine? Everybody you knew, they must be like, Paul, you've told us 473 times. We know all about it. There was this road, you were a total stinker, the donkey, the fall in the blindness, blinding light, Jesus, all that, yada, yada. And, Jesus, and Paul's like, well, let me just, hang on, let me just tell you again. Let me just tell you again. Let me just, one more time. Because that's how he was formed. Instant, profound moments. Jesus, he healed a blind man in John 9. We're going to go there in a moment. He healed lepers, Luke 17. He raised people from the dead, John 11. You can note those and go and reflect on them later as you remember Jesus. Encounters with Jesus, they were often dramatic, weren't they? How was your encounter with Jesus? I, I suspect there's many of us here who are pretty dramatic. I, I was with some of you when you encountered Jesus for the first time. I know it was pretty dramatic. You know, I've laughed and I've wept with some of you and it's pretty dramatic stuff and it's beautiful. Encountering Jesus, miraculous encounters that can't be explained in human terms. This is not ordinary, this is extraordinary, this is not natural, this is supernatural. And it gives us an opportunity when we encounter Jesus, not only to be changed, transformed, but then to actually give an account, to be able to be a part of the transformation of others. In John 9 and verse 25, that blind man, he was healed. We're going to come to it in a moment. But right at the end, he says, responding to people who are accusing Jesus, says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Though I was blind, now I see. I was with one of our transformed communities just the other day, and we were talking about how it is we share our story. And I was saying one of the best ways to figure out your story of transformation with Jesus is to distill it down to six words. Could you do it? Six words. And, and, and here's how this goes. You're allowed two words for what life looked like before you met Jesus. Just two words. And then two words for what that moment of encounter looked like. What happened? And then two words for what Jesus has done since then. Are you going to think about that for the rest of the time I'm talking? If you do, you'll have done something good. Six words. Six words. How would you say what it meant to meet with Jesus? If you can distill it down to that, let me tell you, you can share something pretty good with someone else. Don't waffle. That's my job. That's why they give me this place up here and this microphone. No, no, no. Distill it down. Tell the moment of encounter. Now, while God can and he does act instantly, we also recognize that, that sometimes we simply don't realize it instantly. I was going to say, is anyone here a bit slow? But I don't, that's not really a kind of question I can ask, is it? Um, I think we're all a little bit slow when it comes to matters spiritual. We don't always realize what Jesus is doing or has been doing. We need to reflect 
ponder, remember what has he been doing. A couple of stories super quickly before we come around this table of remembrance. If you've got the scriptures with you, you might want to turn to Luke chapter 24. And it's a story of resurrection. And in Luke chapter 24, he shares at length uh, one of the encounters that the risen Jesus had with some of his disciples. He's a fantastic kind of story. It really conjures things in the imagination because we've got this guy called Cleopas who may also be known as Clopas and therefore he may also have a wife named Mary and they may also have some of the followers of Jesus' disciples in their family Um, and Mary may have been there at the death of Jesus. So who knows? It's really interesting, isn't it? I like to think that this was Mary and Clopas who were traveling away from Jerusalem probably about seven miles or so to this place called Emmaus. And they're journeying away, and time doesn't permit us to read the whole story. Um, But it begins that very day, that very day, the day of resurrection, that Sunday. Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Husband and wife, close to Jesus, and yet still not really understanding. Hurting, no doubt, about what they had seen and, and what they didn't understand. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I love that. I love that. Do you know that the Bible says that, 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 that God is close to the brokenhearted? Do you know that he says that? God says that. And here is an actual demonstration of it. This is Jesus, a physical Jesus. This is not some kind of apparition who could be anywhere and everywhere. This is Jesus in a singular place at a singular time, and he chooses to come near to these brokenhearted pair. So you can believe the scriptures. When God says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, here's the evidence. That means he will be to you also. That's good news. And so he comes and he walks alongside these two, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him because sometimes God likes to mess with us. Um, No, not really. It's because sometimes he wants to reveal his glory and his ways. And that's his business and it is good. And he asked them what they're talking about. And then I love the irony of this moment that they say to Jesus, the actual one who had died and been entombed and had accomplished the work of salvation and risen victorious, they say to him, are you the only one who doesn't understand what's happening? (laughs) I love that. I totally love it. And God's like, oh, I'm so glad I disguised you, Jesus, because this is hilarious. And the Holy Spirit is like, this is going to be so fun. This is going to be hilarious. I'm coming here, and I'm going to start warming their hearts. And something's going to start to burn within them as you begin to talk with them, Jesus. And so he does. And he explains all the way through the scriptures and the prophets and everything that ought to happen to this Messiah, this one. They themselves had thought he was going to redeem Jerusalem, his people. And and Jesus starts to show them, well, that's exactly what happened. And then they go and, and, and Jesus makes as though he's going to carry on walking. And they say, won't you come and stay with us? We want to hear some more. Does anybody want to hear some more from Jesus? Yeah, if you don't, then, oh, goodness, may God help you with this. Uh, Because otherwise, I don't know life is worth anything. To hear more from Jesus, that's it. That's everything. And they want to hear more from Jesus. And he comes and he shares more with them. And uh, and then um, they go to table and he takes the bread and he blesses it and breaks it and gives it to them. And their eyes were opened and he recognized them. And And Jesus Jesus vanishes from from their sight because God likes to mess with us. Um, Not because he 
accomplishes what he needs to accomplish with us. And he does all of this. And they've walked an awful long way. And they've said to the very living and breathing God amongst men, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on with me. You don't know what's been going on amongst us. You don't know what's going on in this world. You don't know how tough it is. You don't know all of our hopes and disappointments. And, our, and you don't know how we've understood all of the scriptures. And you know, maybe if you spent a bit more time in the word of God, stranger, maybe you would understand what's going on with us. But God is gracious. And he walks with us. And he talks with us along the way. I don't know how long it takes to fully understand. Has anyone got there? <laughs> Could you let me know? How long does it take? Anybody? Um, I, don't, I don't know. But I know that God wants to walk with me and he wants to talk with me. And so I need to walk in his direction. And I need to get my pace to his pace. And I need my ear to be turned to him. And when it seems like there might be a divergence because of whatever decisions I've made, then I need to ensure that I remain with Jesus. Because only he can break the bread of life and open my eyes. He has done the miracle. He is alive. I'm not sure we've realized it. You say, Pastor Derek, how can you say that? Most of us, many of us, all of us here, I don't know, are believers in Jesus. But I think sometimes we forget it. And he needs to open our eyes again. Who are you listening to? Who are you walking with? Whose pace are you going at? Reflect upon your own story of encounter with Jesus. Are you, like those on the road to Emmaus, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Look, to, to, to humble ourselves in that fashion and to recognize our own foolishness before the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom, you know? And to let God speak his grace into us. Though they were slow of heart to realize and believe, though we may be slow of heart to realize and believe, the very moment then that they realize what happened next, Jesus was instantly disappeared from their sight. And I wonder actually if he went because everything had been given them that was necessary for them to accomplish what was next. And I wonder if that might be for some of us here as well. Because you see, when, when the eyes were opened and they say our hearts are on fire, did they just say, well, that was nice. Good night, love. Good night. Tuck in. See you in the morning. What do you want for breakfast? No. No. When their eyes were open and their hearts were ablaze, they said, put your shoes back on. Seven miles. Have you got it in your legs? I think I've got it in my legs. I'll piggyback you if you don't. Come on, let's leg it. Let's get ourselves back to the family of faith and let's enthuse them with this truth that Jesus is alive. Because we all need to be enthused with this reality. And do you know what happened when they all got enthused with this reality and when everybody's heart was ablaze because tongues of fire later on came to rest upon every single one of them. Do you know what happened? They told everyone in the whole world. And the world was changed. I don't know how slow you've been so far, and I don't know how slow I am being so far, but I know that if I'm willing to walk with God and listen to him, and if he sets my heart ablaze, and I know he will because he's always good, 
And if he opens my eyes and if he speaks these wonders of blessed truth into my ears, you know, when I'm getting something, then I need to go. When you get something, you need to go with something. And, and sometimes, church, I wonder why you come on a Sunday. I do. Because we get, but we don't go. I talked about Scattered Sunday. And some of you still think it's an opportunity to get the housework done. God help you, because I don't know how to. You get something and you go, and you go in community. There's no lone rangers. If you think you can do this on your own, then how foolish of heart you are and how slow to believe. John 9. There's a man who's born blind, and Jesus sets him free. This is before the death and the resurrection. And Jesus opens natural eyes, and it's a foreshadowing and a sign that he's going to open spiritual eyes. He did it with those on the road to Emmaus, but he was doing it always before. And if anybody could have realized, then they would have realized what was happening, and maybe their spiritual eyes would have been open. But there you go. God also does it because he's compassionate. God also does it because the kingdom of God is coming. And he opens this man's eyes. And does anybody know that when God opens our eyes and starts to do something wondrous and miraculous in our lives, then that also becomes a moment that everything gets really tough. <laughs> I was with somebody who was just baptized um, at our lovely church up um, in Oasis. And, um, and, and they said that somebody said to them, after, you, after they were baptized, that they had a really tough time of it. And it just seemed like there were a bunch of kind of attacks and spiritual attacks on this person they were sharing with me. Um, and they said, I've had a rough time. Does anybody know sometimes you have these kind of spiritual high moments and somebody doesn't like that? Do you know that? that? Jesus loves that, but there's a devil who doesn't like that and doesn't want you to actually journey in the truth and the reality of that. Now, this guy, he was born blind, Jesus. He comes and he does that mud thing, you know, when he puts the mud in people's eyes and then they go and wash. And it's like, <laughs> but he does it. And, um, and you know, Erin and me were quite different. Uh, when we cook, um, one of us follows recipes and gets it right, and the other one doesn't, and it could go either way. I'm going to let you decide who's who um, in our family. <laughs> it's not surprising, is it really? Um, fingers crossed for dinner later, eh? Because I prepare that one. Um, but, you know, when, when, you, when you go with... Jesus, he does this kind of thing. It's not a recipe. It's not a recipe. It's not like, you know, oh, well, there's the mud and there's the pool and, you know, if we just fall. There's an invitation to listen. That's what it is. It's an invitation to obedience. That's what it is. It's an invitation to closeness with Jesus. And so he does all this and he, the man, his eyes are opened and then the opposition comes and everybody says, Goodness, Jesus healed you and opened your eyes. You must be terrible. I, I don't know how the logic follows. But that's what they hit him with over and over again. And then you see this unfolding realization. Because opposition, persecution, and trouble will help you to understand who Jesus really is. Now, three people said amen because everyone else is like, I really hope that's not true. Because I want to find Jesus another way, please, Pastor Greg. But this is our way, one of the best ways, an incredibly common way that we get to really know who Jesus is and get our hearts melted and reformed to be like him. 
And so they come at him again and again and again. And how that these are the Pharisees and the teachers who want to trip up Jesus and they want to crucify him ultimately. And they come at him again and again and again. And all this hostility comes. And how does the guy respond? Well, follow it through John chapter 9. Read it for yourself. But he responds initially. He says, the man, just a man. The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. It was like, okay, that's it. That's like the primary school way of telling a story, isn't it? It's like this, and then 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 this. If it was fully primary school, it would finish off with, and then we woke up and it was all a dream. Um, did anybody write those stories? Uh, but it wasn't a dream. But it's, it's just how he tells the story. But how does it unfold? They come at him again. Uh, and they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, I've been thinking about it. Something's been happening inside. I think he's a prophet. He's not a man, just he's a prophet. And then they come again and again at him. And he says to them, and you can feel he's getting losing his temper with them a little bit. I would too. He says, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? <laughs> Imagine that went down like a lead balloon. He's not just a man anymore, but he's a prophet. And do you know what? I think I want to follow him. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, and you guys should too. It's unfolding. He's realizing in the crucible of opposition, and he's starting to share the gospel. And lastly, he says, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is deepening. They leave him alone, and Jesus comes to him, and he hears that they have cast him out, and he finds him, and Jesus says to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? That's, do you believe in me and all that I mean? And, and the man answers, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Now there's somebody whose heart got melted. There's a melted heart. This is not moral reformation. The Pharisees, they wanted moral reformation. They said, follow us, do it our way, say our things, and if you dare, then we'll chuck you out. But Jesus melts the heart. Do you remember Jesus? Do you remember him? Do you remember him? You know, it doesn't matter if you remember slowly. It doesn't matter if it takes a while. It doesn't matter if it takes seven miles or opposition or seven years or 70 years. But come on, get there. The book of Acts probably occurs over 30 years and you see it unfolding and there's all sorts of transformations happening in there, aren't there? There's probably about eight years between Peter giving that profound sermon on the day of Pentecost and those events that happen in Acts 10 whereby God shows him actually, oh, but there's more for you and there's more people to reach. Time doesn't permit us to go into these things, but come on, it can take a while, but are you wanting to go on the journey? Would you stand with me? Perhaps would you come and, and serve us? We're going to come around this table of remembrance today. Can I say this? And I, I don't want this to come across. I, I'm not trying to exclude anybody. 
or make this difficult. And, and, and look, we are all about the grace of the gospel of Jesus. His, his gospel is freely given to all who will receive. And so I'm not in any way trying to put an obstacle here, but I, I simply want to say this morning, if the receiving of the bread and the cup is common virtue, if it is to you politeness or moral conformity, and can I urge you to think twice about coming and taking it in that manner? I, I don't think we respect Christ or honor him. And I think we run the risk of making it a superstition and it will do you no good and no one else. But if you're here today and you're saying, Jesus, would, would you melt my heart? Amen. I want to remember you. I want to be spiritually transformed. Jesus, I want to walk with you and talk with you. And here now I want to eat with you and drink with you. And I want to do these things, Jesus, so that you might melt my heart. But God, when I have got it or got some of it or when I've just got a bit more of you, God, I want to get and I want to go. It's the life of Christ is intended to pour into you and through you. If that's how you want to receive this bread and this cup today, oh, then come. Come. Come not because you're saying, I've got it, or I'm good, or I'm great. Come because you're saying, I know the one who is, and I want to walk with him. I appreciate time has gone, but just, I want us to be serious about these things. This is not moral reformation. This is spiritual transformation. Come, as we're led in worship now, come and take the cup. Sit where you are with Jesus and invite him to melt your heart and to send you with your story. As we do so, if you need to receive prayer, particularly today, your heart is hurting, your circumstances are broken, then um, the elders, we're going to be here at the front. We'd love to pray with you. If you're here today and you don't know this Jesus, not personally, not really, this Jesus we've been talking about, then don't, don't muck about. I'm going to be here at the front as well. Come and talk with me and I'll introduce you to him. And he'll change your life today. Don't walk out. Don't walk out without receiving Jesus into your life today. As we worship, come and take the cup. Receive prayer. Receive Jesus. God bless you.
drink the cup let's pray Lord we want to thank you for opening not only our natural eyes but more importantly our spiritual eyes that we may see you and appreciate who you are giving thanks for what you have done as you reveal yourself more and more May we be transformed spiritually, emotionally, not just superficially, but from the inside out. And in the process, may we celebrate who you are, telling others of the wonder of your work. We give you thanks. Let's all drink together.
Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down the worship team to continue for the next little while and if you would appreciate to receive prayer um, then we are available here at the front and you're more than welcome to receive prayer otherwise with what you've got go and we look forward to going together as transformed communities through the week in God's grace and sharing the story of our remembrance of Jesus God bless you as you go do please take those neighborhood prayer cards as you go and ensure to be joining in with the rhythm of prayer that we are establishing. If you'd like to stay, stay and pray. Um, do please go and get your children if you need to. God bless you. And we look forward to gathering again next Sunday by God's grace. Amen. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.